Unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. You heard read this morning the story of Hannah's barrenness and the miracle of Samuel's birth and her subsequent praise in Shiloh in chapter 2 verses 1 through to 11. Now this significant chunk of Holy Scripture, I want to especially within it focus the camera on two places. Two doors, so to speak. The first door is a closed door and the other door is an open door. The doors of life. And the first door here is the door of Hannah's womb. Because it says there, the Lord had shut up her womb. And that verb shut up it tends to make you think of a closed door. So there's this closed door. And then the other door is the door of the temple at Shiloh because we read there in verse 9 that the priest Eli, he's the high priest, he sat upon a seat by a post. And that's a doorpost. It is the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. So we're focusing on these two places. The place where there is barrenness, deadness, lifelessness, and then the place where there is the high priest sitting on a, a seat. And this isn't an ordinary seat. The Holy Spirit uses a very important word. It's an honourable seat. In fact, it's normally translated throne. On a throne. In the temple. At the post of the door. So there is the emphasis on his location in the temple. Now let's go back to Exodus. We sung about Exodus in Psalm 136. But in the Exodus, you'll remember the important elements of the story. There are the doorposts of every house. Every house within it has the firstborn. It's all about the firstborn. And the posts of the door are sprinkled with the blood. And the firstborn is within. And the door's closed. It's shut until the destroying angel passes over and destroys all the firstborn of Egypt. But the firstborn of Israel are preserved. And then that night the door is opened. And the firstborn comes out. The exodus. That's how it commenced. And that's repeated in imagery time and time again throughout the scriptures. That's why I say pause at every door. Because you may have a type here of exodus. So the firstborn is coming out of of the house. And that's a representation of the whole nation of Israel because God says, Israel is my firstborn. And I, I brought them out, brought them out of the bondage of behind the door in Egypt, brought them out into the liberty 
and the open door of God's servants. So that's what Exodus is about. And you remember that God brought in a statute at that time. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatever openeth the womb among men or beasts is mine. The firstborn is mine. And so God delivered Israel, the firstborn, and he delivered the firstborn of every house, and every firstborn is the Lord's. And here's a womb here that's crying out for a firstborn. Hannah's womb. The womb has a door, you see, and the Lord has closed this door It is said twice for emphasis. The end of verse 5, the Lord had shut up her womb. The end of verse 6, the Lord had shut up her womb. No firstborn, no life, only barrenness. No firstborn to surrender to God. None to dedicate unto him. The door is not only shut, it's well shut Because the Lord has shut it. And he's the one who shuts and no man opens. And he's the one who opens and no man shuts. But why does it say the Lord shut her door? It's the Holy Spirit telling us only that Lord is the one who can open it. And Hannah knows this. So the shut womb, it's closed. And it'll never be opened until the Lord opens it. Now, as I said in the reading, her name, Hannah, it means favoured. But she doesn't look very favoured in the story. She's barren. How comes the favoured one is barren? Elkanah loves her very much, more than the fruitful Penina, yet she's barren. She is the good and gentle wife amongst the two. Yet she's barren. She is the one who has all the piety and the godliness as far as we can observe from the text. And yet she's barren. The other wife is cruel and hurtful and yet she's fruitful and has all the children. The other wife is an adversary and yet she looks to be the one who's favoured, the one who's fruitful. And yet the truly favoured one is barren. And you know, she pictures in actual fact the condition of Israel at this present time. Because the the favoured nation Israel, the firstborn of God, is in a state of barrenness. I mean, the nation's in an awful state. Just read the end of the Judges. That's that's the kind of background to this. That's the kind of uh, time that uh, he's been born into. They're sad and sorry times. And the priests, they're not very good and very worthy. The sons of Eli in the temple, as, as we'll see, in in a future occasion. So the nation is barren. Whenever God is going to work, he often starts the work at a barren womb, a shut-up womb. You see that very often in Scripture. That's God, you see. He brings life to barrenness. He brings revival to that which is dead. He reverses death. He restores to life. And when he's about to do it, very often he pictures it and portrays it in in a barren womb. If a son comes out of a barren womb, 
In the Bible, that's usually a very special son. A son not just alive, but full of life, full of the life of God, a spiritual one. And so a barren womb in the Bible is the symbol of what God can do. The symbol of the mighty grace and power of God. The mother of Isaac was barren Sarah. The mother of Jacob, Rebekah, she was barren. The mother of Joseph, Rachel, she was barren. And yet there were mighty ones that came out of them. And Joseph was a deliverer and a saviour out of a barren womb. And then Samson was born out of barrenness. And John the Baptist, born out of a barren womb. And there are similarities here between Elizabeth and Hannah. Elizabeth was barren and well stricken in years. And here, here is the mother of Samuel and she's in the same condition about to give birth through the divine intervention to a mighty man of God. And Samuel typifies that John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord's anointed. So these worthy sons, Samuel came out of deadness and lifelessness because God turned the barrenness into blessedness. And God can do that. And we should be encouraged as a congregation if we feel barren that the Lord is able to do this. So being born of a barren womb is a heaven-sent miracle and that's what we have here then in this text of Scripture. So the nation prior to the birth of Samuel is in a sorry state and somehow it's being renewed. It's going to come through this man who's born of a barren, a barren womb. But not only is Israel like that barren womb, the church today is like that barren womb too. Because isn't the church in a sorry state? The professing church? Haven't we heard things in recent times of the church being involved in things that graves our heart? We're not speaking of, of our denomination, of course. We're speaking of larger churches that should be standing for the truth and for the principles that they espouse in their, in their creedal standards, and yet clearly are not. And it's a barren and a dry land because of this. And even if we just think of ourselves as a church, we don't see many converts, do we? We don't see any converts hardly. We're blessed with children being born into the congregation. And the Lord blesses us in that way. And that's a joy and a gladness to us. And that fills us with hope and expectancy for the future. But as to the conversion of the heathen around us, it's a very rare thing, isn't it, in these days? Our children coming from afar, from the heathen, are not seen nowadays. We can hardly say the fields are white already on the harvest nowadays. It's barren times. And yet God promises the church to be fruitful. There are so many prophecies of this in the scriptures. Single barren Thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. Thou that didst not travail with child. This is the church. This is after Isaiah 53. And God's addressing the church. And he says lift up your eyes. And the children of the married wife. Is going to be more than the children of the desolate. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your cords. Your children are coming. They're coming from and far. You'll inherit the Gentiles. They'll pour in into the house of the barren woman. 
so this bad room pictures the church and what God can do in, in times of revival and times of, of awakening. And maybe you feel personally barren in your own heart and soul. That happens to the people of God sometimes. David must have experienced that when he's always saying, Lord, quicken me, quicken me, as if he has a barrenness within him in his heart. So the church sometimes feels like a dead man. And some of those churches that the Lord visited in the book of the Revelation, they were like that. They, they were dead churches. They hadn't much life at all, some of them. Just decay. And so the people of God go through barren times. Like Cooper, we sometimes have to say, where's the blessedness? Which I knew when first I met the Lord. Where's the soul-refreshing view of Jesus in his word? He's confessing his barrenness. We have to do this at times. We feel like the barren womb in our coldness to God and our strain from God because Israel's barrenness was its own fault, wasn't it? In disobeying God and neglecting God and going away from God. And that happens to the child of God. He gets into this barren state because of the neglect of the word and the throne of grace and the means of grace. It's as if God has shut up blessing from us. The door is shut even though that the Lord stands at it and knocks. No life within, no supping with the Lord within, no supping with Christ, no warmth, no blessedness, and the Lord without, as it were, knocking, knocking on the door. The, the believer can get into that condition. This womb can picture you and me. Not only is there a closed door, a shut womb, at that door, there is an adversary provoking her. This Penina, we're reminded here in this text of scripture that she provoked her sore and the Lord calls her an adversary. An adversary at the door. An adversary at that place where the Lord is shutting up and closing by way of chastisement, by way of giving a sign for a great work that he is going to do but the devil is there, the adversary, because behind this woman, there's another adversary, there's Satan, the great adversary. The adversary who goes about like a roaring lion, the accuser of the brethren. And this is what this Penina is doing. She has children, and she just can't leave the barn one alone. She provokes her. She hates her. She's jealous of her. Even though she has no children. She accuses her. She says, oh, the Lord shut up your womb. The Lord has nothing to do with you. You've no blessing. You've no fruitfulness. And so she'll malign her and attack her and depress her and drive her to despair. And you're Hannah. You're favoured. You're the one who's supposed to know the grace and favour of God. But look at you. And that's how the devil comes to us, isn't it? Look, are you a Christian? There's not much fruit in your life. You don't have much spiritual liveliness about you. You're dead. You're barren. You're dry. What have you accomplished for God? And you say you've experienced the grace of God and God's in your life. The adversary at the door accusing us, attacking us, maligning us, mercilessly driving us to sorrow and despair 
And this is year after year, especially the time when they're going to go to the house of God. Especially at that time, Penina rises up and does her work. And that's often the case when we're about to go to God's house. That's when the accuser works. That's when the adversary rises up at the door to provoke us, to drive us to despair. Well, what does Hannah do? Well, she does the right thing. The only thing that may provide the answer and bring the relief, she prays. But notice very carefully where she prays. And so we're, we're going to the other camera now because it's that Shiloh where the tabernacle is, where the house of God is. The tabernacle has settled in Shiloh. It's become a kind of a, a semi-permanent structure we're not sure sure how much of it is, is built now like a house or how much of it is still cloth like the tabernacle materials. We're not sure, but there, there seems to be a wee bit more permanence about it and doorposts and a door and a house there and the priests and the high priest and, and Samuel when he is brought along sleeping within. So there, there's some sort of semi-permanence here. And we read here that she rose up, verse 9. Here's a very important verse. She rose up after they she didn't eat, of course, she's, she's fasting, but she rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. Now this is a very important word here, text. The Holy Spirit uses very important words here. Seat. Throne. Seated. The high priest is seated. He's seated at the mezuzah, at the doorposts, at the doorposts of the temple. He's opened the doors, you see. He's seated there on the throne. The people are coming in. The people, well, they can't go in. They've only gone so far because they're not allowed to go in. But, but they can come to the door and they can peek in. They can look beyond. And the high priest is sitting there. And they come here to pray at the open door. The high priest sits at the open door of the temple. Uh, and the people are offering the sacrifices and he's observing what they do. But notice what it says there. Hannah rose up. She's not seated. She's standing. She rose up. She stood up. She comes to the shadow. She comes to the door of the temple where the priest is sitting. He's not going to hear her praying because she's praying in her heart. He's only going to see the lips going. He wonders what she's at. We'll come to that in a moment. But she's standing there, standing at the seat with the high priest is on, the door open, praying unto the Lord in the temple from her heart about her barren womb. Now, the reference to the doorpost here is, is most significant, and, and you shouldn't miss it. The word is mezuzah. Now, if you've ever seen Hebrew homes You'll see this wee strange thing on the entrance of the, of the door, the doorpost, wee, like a wee sort of a capsule, uh, a wee glass capsule, different forms and sizes, wee box. And it's called the mezuzah because it goes on the doorposts of the door. And, and every Hebrew has one. Within that mezuzah, there are two texts of scripture usually written by hand in the Hebrew script. Texts from Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 11. That reminds them of, of the presence of God. They usually touch it when they go in. It's always been a tradition in Israel. 
And any of the Hebrews reading about the doorpost of Scripture, they'll, they'll be pausing, they'll be thinking and reflecting on this. So that's what we have to do this morning. We have to put the camera here at the mezuzah, at the doorpost. The Holy Spirit is giving us this information. And there, there's a lot here that's opening up future, you know, the throne, the king, the high priest, the temple. That's another word. The word temple only occurs twice in Samuel. There's no temple. Just a tent. But the Holy Spirit wants to put in this word temple. Because he's saying something. He's saying, I want you to put the camera up here. I'm putting in all the important words. All these key words which will link you to the future. Which will link you to the throne of grace. Which will link you to the heaven, the heavens above. Which will link, link you to the high priest in glory. I'm putting the words in here. To pause you. So she's at the door. That's the important thing. And she's praying before the Lord. Eli's there on the seat, but she's praying before the Lord. Eli marks her mouth, verse 12. Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. Her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Now, Eli's a bit slow. The fact that he says this, it just shows how barren Israel is. I mean, you think there's a barren room there, but here's a priest, he can't even recognize prayer. Does not show you how barren the nation is? As if he's never seen a, a man or a woman burdened and brokenhearted and coming before the Lord to pray and to cry unto the Lord. It's as if Eli has never saw that before, and he thinks, oh, here's a drunken woman. Does he not think she's praying? Does he not think she's burdened? And the fact that he can't recognize that just, just tells you the state of the nation. Even the high priest can't recognize a burdened heart praying and crying on to God. He's a poor doorkeeper at God's house. And so there is this barrenness pictured by him. And this barrenness in her womb as well. But this woman stands up and she comes to the right place. She comes to the open door. She comes to the doorpost. She comes to the mezuzah. She comes to the place where the blood was sprinkled on the post of the door. She comes to the right place. The place where only the firstborn can be born and come forth. She comes there to the house of God. She comes to meet the life of God. The lifeless barren womb comes to the life of God beyond the door in his temple. She wants the life of God to flow out like that river of life that we saw the other day coming out of the temple. She wants that river of life to flow out, to flow out from God, to flow into her barren womb so that she may have a firstborn to give unto the Lord. And so a shut door meets an open door. Barrenness meets fruitfulness. Deadness meets life. And in between times, there's a high priest seated on a throne. Now who does that remind you of? The Lord Jesus. Only he's far more alert than Eli. He can't see. He's not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He doesn't even know what the people of God are going through. But Jesus Christ is different. We have not an high priest like Eli. Who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We have a high priest in the glory at the open door. In fact, he is the door. I am the door. He that goes in. Will be able to go out with life. And so Hannah has come to the door where the high priest is. 
And that's the answer to our deadness. That's the answer to our corruption as sinners. And that's the answer to our barrenness as saints. Our lack of children converts. That's the answer as a church. Our closed womb. The only answer is the open door of heaven. We cannot revive ourselves. We cannot bring forth life ourselves. Hannah knew that. That's why when she went on to praise God, she says, The Lord killeth and the Lord maketh alive. The Lord is the one who brings down to the grave and the Lord is the one who brings up. It's only the Lord can do it. And the church needs to get to the door. The door of the Lord. The throne of grace. The throne of favor where this woman who has the name of favor comes. Grace. So it's all here. Grace is here. The throne is here. The high priest is here. The door of the temple is here. It's all here. Because the Holy Spirit is telling us this is the only answer for the deadness of a nation. The doorposts of the Bible are full of great significance. You remember the blood was sprinkled on it at the Passover. That was very, very important. Whenever Jesus says, I am the door, you have to come in. You have to be shut in with Christ, first of all. And then when you come in, I am the door. He that entereth in by me shall be saved and shall go in and out. He who comes to Christ, who shut in with Christ, who shut in with the blood upon the doorpost, he has an exodus. He goes out too. To the pastures of life, to the fields of feeding in the blessed word of God, he goes out with a shepherd, leading him and guiding him all the way. And it's Christ who gives us that exodus. And this woman wants an exodus for herself that will lead to an exodus for Israel and a new king which will lead on to Christ the son of David it all began here at the open door of the temple at the throne where a high priest is seated it all began there and it's because of Christ seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God sat down at the right hand of God on the throne of grace let us come boldly onto that place with our barrenness that we may obtain mercy and find favour, find grace, find Hannah to help in time of need. So this Eli is not the Lord, the Lord Jesus. He doesn't recognise prayer and so she had to explain it. I prayed unto the Lord. I've unburdened my heart. I've cried unto him. I've sought him. And, and, and then he begins to realize. and He begins to get his eyes opened. And verse 17 he, he says go in peace. The high priest says go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. See he prays now too. This woman has kind of revived him and awakened him. And now he begins to pray. Oh, may, may God grant your petition that you've asked of him. Seeing a woman in prayer and crying unto God has revived his own soul. Has quickened his own heart and his own life. And now he's breaking out into prayer. This is what happens at revival. Hannah brought a great revival, you know. 
and that prayer. You know, women are often not very noticeable in the church. It's the men, of course, who lead and who preach and rule and govern in God's house as, as is right, according to the word of God. But the women very often are the, the prayer warriors behind the men. And this is where their power is. And so, you women, don't be discouraged. Pray. If the Lord helps me in the ministry, and I, I do see that the Lord helps me, because I'm not a, a very able person. And I'm not able to you know, dig down and draw these things out of God's word, the sermons that I have to give you week after week, for year after year, and, and try to keep them all interesting. I'm not able to do that of my own ability. And any help that I do get in it, I know where it comes from. It's because you pray. Especially you women pray. I know this. And I feel this. And you try to be a Hannah. And God honors that. So keep on praying. You Hannahs, you women. Crying unto God. And so she goes home in peace. Because the high priest told her to go in peace. Go in peace. Jesus tells you to go in peace. You've got peace now. You've come to the door. You've come to the place of blood sprinkling. You've come to Christ. Now go in peace. Have peace in your heart through Christ. So she goes in peace. Well, you know the story. She gets expectant. Praise the Lord. She weans a child, maybe three, four, five years perhaps. And then when he's weaned, what does she do? What does the Bible say? She come back to the place. Back to the door where Eli sat. I prayed here, Eli. This was the place I prayed. You remember I prayed? Well, here he is. Here's the answer. The Lord has given me the answer. And here he is, Eli. She's back at the door. This is a marvelous return of prayer, you know. She prayed at that door, and now she comes back with the answer. Here he is. And she breaks out into that praise in chapter 2. Praises the Lord. That magnificat of Hannah, where she magnifies God. But she doesn't only get back to the door with the boy to praise God at the door. And if the Lord answers our prayers at the door, we have to come back and give God thanks for them too. But she leaves the boy at the door. That's the thing. She leaves him at the door. And what happens? This wee boy comes in through the door into the temple. He lives in the temple now. He becomes a kind of priest in the temple. He has a little ephod and all. And he learns priestly work. And he learns how to offer up sacrifices. And we see him offering up sacrifices when he's an adult. He has a priestly role in the temple. And he's trained in the temple. And he is forever identified with the door of the temple. That's the thing. Chapter 3, verse 15. This is one of the stories about Samuel in the house of God. 3 verse 15. What does it say there? Samuel lay until the morning. Notice it. 
and open the doors. Do you see that? Open the doors of the house of the Lord. This lad is associated with the doors. He's been born at the doors. He's the firstborn who came forth at the door. And at the door he serves the Lord in the temple. He opens the doors. I mean, that, that's a mighty return of prayer. Only God could do that. This is the hand of God in this young life. This is going to be a special life. And how important he is in the establishing of the kingdom in Israel. So the closed door of the womb, at the open door of God's house, life flows out into Hannah's womb. This firstborn son is born. He comes to the door of the temple to open it and close it every day for the people of God. What a son she's brought forth. And that's the kind of children we want in the church. Children born of prayer. Children who will grow up to be Samuels. Useful. Godly. God-fearing. Born again from heaven. Born again from the presence of the Lord. So Samuel is a minister now in God's house and he'll be at it all the days of his life. And that's the kind of children the church wants. That's that's the kind of children we want born among us. That's the kind of children we want born again into us. And that's only found at the door. In prayer to God that he will give us new life. That he will give us seed. Spiritual seed. Brethren and sisters, don't let barrenness and fruitlessness drive you to despair. Don't let the persecution and the provocation of the adversary about that very thing of your fruitfulness, fruitlessness and barrenness, don't let that drive you to despair. Rather, come to the throne of grace and cry unto God who hears prayer. And from the divine presence there will come the life and the showers of blessing that we all need. So so let us pray on for those waters of life to come through the open doors. He that believeth on me, the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We, We feel barren, barren and dry. We feel like our bellies are like Hannah's womb, closed and shut up and no life within it. But he that believeth on Christ, out of his belly, out of his womb, rivers, rivers of living water. That's the kind of life that we want to have, isn't it? A fruitful, blessed life. We only get it at the door. We only get it through Christ. This is the only, only way. So, you're poor and needy, and you feel shut up, Come to God's throne of grace and cry.